For the first time in several months, we have actual matches to talk about here on this week's Footy Talks podcast. My name is Mitchell Tierney, and ahead on the show, we'll break down Toronto FC's first two matches of the MLS season. We'll also talk about some of the MLS sides who have impressed and some that haven't so far in the league. And of course, talk some CONCACAF Champions League ahead of tonight's fixtures. I'm now joined once again on a Waking the Red roundtable edition of the Footy Talks podcast by Jeff Nesker and Benedict Rhodes. I think the last time we talked, guys, was actually just before the MLS Cup final last year. So, um, you know, it's definitely in different circumstances we're talking around this time, but um, still plenty to talk about as the Reds kicked off their season last week. And uh, we have, you know, two games now in terms of a sample size to, uh, you know, kind of overreact to. And we will most definitely do that this week on, on the Footy Talks <laughs> podcast. Um, Jeff, let's start with you because you were actually at the game. Um, you know, what did you make of Toronto FC's home opener? And uh, maybe we can read about this team so far this year. Well, I still can't feel my toes. Uh, so hopefully I'll get some, some circulation back. So that's um, a regular start to a Toronto FC season. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just it seems, uh, you know, we're always starting later, but just as cold as we were if we had started earlier. So I don't I don't quite understand that. Yeah, it was a, it was a great game. It was nice to be back at BMO. Uh, I did not get one of those chicken sandwiches because I, wow. I didn't feel the need to to go looking around for the latest uh, new hotness. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was great. It was uh, it was a really nice game. I, I kind of dug uh, seeing the new gray uh, Unity kits as the home kit. I'm not sure if that's going to be the standard this year to, to wear your uh, alternate stripe at home, but mm-hmm. it was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a wonderful game. Benedict, uh, any thoughts from you uh, before we, you know, uh, talk about it a little deeper? Yeah, I can't really speak to what it was like at the stadium, obviously, but uh, yeah, I think it's a strong start to the season for TFC over those two games. I think um, there's definitely a lot to like. I think there's some stuff they can improve on, of course, which we'll, which we'll talk about. But uh, I think overall, it's a pretty good start to the season and a good start to the home part of the season as well. Yeah, I think we'd be remiss now if, if we didn't talk about the man of the hour in Toronto off sea land, uh, Achara. Uh, a player who you know came into this year 25th overall pick had a really strong preseason and I think uh, during that preseason which evidently we couldn't really watch um, we uh, you know we kept hearing about this player who um, was really making a mark for himself in a position where Toronto FC um, you know kind of has some openings right now and uh, we we got our first taste of him in MLS action and you know in in terms of home debuts for for rookies uh, that couldn't really have gone much better kind of reminded me of Subasa Endo when he scored against I think it was FC Dallas and um, you know his first home game a while back but uh, you know Achara is a player that really and this was a great week for super draft players in general he's a player who looks like a real steal for Toronto FC and you know in terms of a player overall rocking the double nines wearing that headband this is a guy that can become a fan (laughs) favorite quite quickly couldn't he Benedict yeah I think I want to see a few more games from him before we start calling him the great one but but uh, yeah, that, that was a very good start. I think um, he seems to just leave it all out on the field, which I think is all fans ask for. And um, and obviously it paid off. He scored the early goal, which was called back. But then sort of just uh, sort of dug in there, and by the end of the game was rewarded with another goal when actually counted. And um, yeah, I think I think it was a good way to sort of cap off. Of, I thought it was a really good debut from him. Jeff. 
Yeah, I mean, the kid's hungry. Uh, it's it's interesting that he ends up playing professionally with Schaffelberg, where he you know he he sort of cut his teeth in the college circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, what, what's also interesting is how much I'm reading uh, following his debut of uh, how often Greg Vanny was sort of cold called from people around the league telling him that in Achara they sort of had a diamond in the rough. I thought that was uh, really interesting to find out after the fact. Well, uh, you wouldn't think other teams because uh, a lot of them passed on this guy. But um, yeah, <laughs> no, I know what you mean, like uh, like league execs and that sort of thing. And there certainly was. Um, I know right away when he was picked, there was there was a lot of you know dialogue about how Toronto FC really could have gotten a steal here, and uh, so far so good. And like I said, it makes things really interesting out wide for Toronto FC, and I plan on writing on this in a little more depth on on Waking the Red coming up this week, but. Uh, all of a sudden, for a team that you know most of last year were kind of almost forced into playing Greg Vanny's four-three-three system without the proper players there, and and you know we saw any number of guys play out wide for Toronto FC last year. Justin Morrow was a winger at some points. Pozuelo mm-hmm. played there. Um, this year, all of a sudden, Toronto FC has a ton of different options out there, and all of them bring something a little bit different. So, if you're Greg Vanny right now, uh, you have to be you know pretty pleased with how this is how this is coming along and arguably we haven't even seen the best one yet in Pablo Piatti if if things go to plan Jeff well I thought you were going to say Erickson Gallardo and there was <laughs> steam coming out of my ears so um yeah no we haven't seen Piatti yet I I, I read on the Twitter that he's uh, training with the team today mm-hmm. so uh he exists which is great I mean <laughs> last week last week we finally proved that Erickson Gallardo exists for better or worse uh, I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what PP can do. Um, you know, uh, obviously uh, uh, the load management is a, is a big deal when you when you're talking about our new DP. And uh, uh, you know, in, with respect to the depth issue of TFC on the wings, uh, Matt Doyle, who who uh, who works for MLS Mothership, the armchair analyst, uh, he was when we signed Piatti, he was questioning what the reason behind it was, and now he's doubly questioning it because of all our depth on the wings. I mean, it's a it's a good problem to have. But the fact is, is that we uh, we bought a DP winger and we haven't seen him yet. And we've got enough depth that we uh, can maybe survive not seeing him for a while. I think so. And I think that that is positive in terms of you know if you, if you do only get him for 24 games a season but or or so which is i guess what Toronto FC's target is for him then uh, you know it is good that you have some of these other options but you know in, in terms of while while Toronto FC do have a lot of options i wouldn't necessarily say any of them are are particularly elite you know all these guys bring different things to the table but um a lot of them are young and not necessarily consistent so while it's good it's you know i i still think there could be some use to to pablo piatti certainly benedict yeah i think um you mentioned there like none of the tfc wingers sort of are first name on the team sheet like no one's gonna start definitely on the on that team i don't think on the wings but i think with with achara i think he sort of gives another option to greg vanny of does he want to play with a different player based on a different system against who they're playing against? Like, um, for example, and we're going to talk about this later, but Nashville you might want to play a bit more attacking as they're a sort of new team trying to find their way. So mm-hmm. I want to go with an Achara over, over someone else. But then um, and I don't think you need to rush back Piatti because I think at the moment TFC do have quite a lot of depth at the wings and um, yeah, I think they can survive for now. Sort of keep playing until something goes wrong, kind of thing. 
Well, another player who's who's kind of emerged as as a real talent out wide, and obviously uh, he did last season in the right back role, but this year it looks like Greg Vanny's mostly going to use him as a winger, and then evidently as a replacement right back. Um, with with our looking to have really won that spot is Richie Larea. Um, Jeff, what have you made of him this year? And, and I know we saw this in the playoffs a little bit, but you, you know, a player who really is showing some versatility now, and and that has to be exciting again for Greg Vanny and for a player who, um, you know. In terms of someone who we thought could maybe take a bit of a step back this year just because uh, it looked like Arrow was going to get most of the minutes, ha- having a second position he can play has to only be seen as positive. Yeah, I think the secret is to keep Richie angry. I think it's <laughs> to keep him hungry um, and, and to always have his uh, his spot in jeopardy because that kid's hungry. I mean, he mm-hmm. changed the whole complexion of the game on Saturday. Uh, his... His runs were so direct, he was just terrorizing defenders, hapless, tired defenders out there. His crosses had such venom. Uh, he was a game changer. And uh, I think that, you know, I, it's tough, to, it's tough to, to predict the future with Richie because it seems that every time you try and pigeonhole him into a role, he excels at it and then he finds a new role. So, so you know, he's just... He's such a lovely surprise. It's so nice having him on the squad. And then, you know, he comes in as a super sub and just and just raises hell. So I I, I can't be more proud of the guy. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that is a really good point because we did hear Greg Vanny, um, you know, a lot during the preseason kind of. I guess, uh, you know, stoking the Richie Larea fires a little bit. He was saying that, you know, Richie didn't have a guaranteed position on this team, that, uh, you know, he was still, he still had to prove it this year. And maybe that's a big motivation tactic for uh, Richie Larea is, is, you know, um, like you said, keeping him hungry. And it, obviously it seems to, to really be working this year. Um, kind of transitioning another player who I, I think is quite hungry but hasn't necessarily <laughs> been given the same opportunity so far this year is Liam Frazier. Um, we've seen Toronto FC roll at the same midfield the past two two games to, you know, relative success um, with Pozuelo at the top and then Marky Delgado playing alongside Jonathan Osorio as kind of dueling sixes or eights depending upon, um, you know, where, where you see them on the field. Um Benedict, what do you make of this? Because if you're Frazier right now, I think you have to be quite frustrated. You played the entire preseason essentially at that number six role. That was kind of the talk going into the season was that you were going to get these minutes to replace Michael Bradley. You kind of forewent opportunities over in Europe to go out on loan um, in in order to stay with the, the the main club and and you know really help them out here. And and now you're not getting playing time. That's got to be incredibly frustrating for a guy who you know already in terms of uh, you know the Toronto FC death chart has one of the one of the toughest jobs in terms of you know someone who's consistently in the starting eleven for Toronto being behind them. Yeah, I think when Michael we found out that Michael Bradley wasn't going to be ready for the start of the season, it was kind of just like now is the Liam Fraser's chance to step up and and take that job and maybe even if he plays well enough, challenge Michael Bradley for the starting job when he's ready to come back, kind of thing. But I think since he hasn't played these last two games, and Marky Delgado and Jonathan Osorio have been really good, I think. It's one of those situations where, like, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. But I think we sort of want to see them try to fix it almost by bringing in Liam Fraser. So it's sort of a, sort of a tough one, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Liam Fraser sooner rather than later, just just because I'm sure he's itching for minutes. 
but uh, I'm not sure if it's wise necessarily to sort of break with the rhythm they have going and sort of push him into the starting lineup. And of course, he, he did get a brief appearance uh, in that opening game. Um, Jeff, what are your thoughts on, on Toronto's midfield? And, he's, uh, he's, yeah, go ahead. He, Frazier's kind of caught in a catch-22 because there's a big league-wide push to make every game important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there, there's a huge league-wide push to not have any more throwaway games. And, and traditionally, those were at the start of the season. So you're seeing teams, uh, teams go for it, and there's not a lot of avenues to uh, try stuff out. Um, and so to, to sort of parrot uh, Benedict's point, you know, there's a, there's a sense of if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and they don't mm-hmm. want to drop points. But I like like Benedict said, I think the time to play Frazier is now as opposed to later. Uh, that you know, so so I'm also of the of the mind that that we'll see him uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah. I think you almost have to find out what you have in the player in, in some ways, and I know, like you said, every game's important, and you know, three points at the start of the season are the same as three points at the end of the season. Um, so, sort of. I mean, there, there's a, there's always a momentum aspect to MLS, and and going into the playoffs hot is probably the most important thing you can do in MLS in, in this kind of bizarre league setup that they have right now. But um, you know, with that being said, uh, like you guys mentioned, I, I just think that. Right now, Delgado and Osorio have proven to be a lot better, certainly, than I thought they would be together. I thought there would be more defensive lapses than they've allowed, especially against an NYCFC side that has shown a real ability to get in behind midfields that you know are cheating a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. That didn't really necessarily happen in, in the way I thought it would at BMO Field. So um, we'll see. Again, Frazier had did make that one brief appearance this year, and um, I, I do think that you know at some point you want to you want you want to give him a run out here and, and see if you see what he can do because you know even even with the way Toronto FC is playing I think there still can be made improvements obviously um it, it took them a while to to score against NYCFC so uh, maybe with Nashville coming to town this weekend uh they'll, they'll get or he'll get an opportunity to to make his first start of the season and I did want to transition to that a little bit the first time mm-hmm. we're going to see Nashville um a side who actually have had a reasonably decent start to the year. I watched most of their game against Atlanta United, and uh, I think defensively, you know, the, they have a decent outfit, which is, n- you know, not necessarily a guarantee with expansion sides as we've seen in recent <laughs> years. Uh, Minnesota, looking at you, Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> so I, I think from that standpoint, uh, you know, you have Walker Zimmerman back there, who's evidently a proven MLS center back. This is this won't be an easy game for Toronto FC, but um, you know I think one that they would be still reasonably expected to win. Benedict. Yeah, I think um, you mentioned Walker Zimmerman's looked really good, and and their backlines looked pretty good. But I think Nashville are sort of trying to find themselves a bit, which is normal for an expansion side, and maybe mm-hmm. want to sort of get that first win, get themselves off the ground a bit, especially in the home stadium of one of the league's top teams. So I imagine they're going to come into this game pretty hungry. Um, and shouldn't be taken lightly as any, every team in MLS shouldn't. Um, yeah, I think yeah, Toronto FC should be expecting to win this game or have that sort of mentality anyway. Yeah, I mean that Nashville's got Zimmerman playing striker, defender, goalkeeper. You know, <laughs> managing the team. Uh, they they need to find their footing. Uh, uh, I can't remember who the the late sub was. Uh, in the second game, their uh, their younger forward, but he he made I think Rios is his name. I, I'm not sure, but uh, he made quite the impression. Um, and because uh, uh, he he subbed off for Baji, they had Baji play like 70 minutes, and then they subbed him off for uh, what's his face. I th- I think it's Rios, but uh, 
Um, yeah, they're still trying to find their attacking shape. So uh, to 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 talk about Frazier, I think this is a perfect perfect time to trounce him out because uh, we maybe don't need to worry about a double pivot. I'm just worried about who he plays with and where that puts Pozuelo, right? Uh, so, but uh, yeah, I, I think we've got a decent a decent chance of, of of owning Nashville when they come to town, to not mince words. <laughs> um. Benedict, you uh, and, it, and it is Rios, Daniel Rios. Um, there you the go. Thank you're you. thinking of. So you were correct. You got to just be confident there. You got to. <laughs> then, then no one will know. <laughs> but <laughs> all right, I'll lean into it next time. I was, I was, I was gonna <laughs> lean into it, but uh, there was a tiny bit of doubt. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just joking. But um, <laughs> Benedict, yeah, you you did mention that um, you think Toronto FC will and should go aggressive offensively in this game. If you're picking, and obviously it doesn't seem like Piatti will be ready for this match, but if you're picking the two attacking players to to go alongside Josie Altidore at this point, uh, who do you pick? This might sound a bit unconventional, maybe, as all things I say usually are. Bring but, it. Um, <laughs> I, I almost wonder if maybe... Greg Vaney might try to start all three of Osorio, Delgado, and Fraser mm. and have Osorio at, at the number 10 kind of role and then maybe put Pozuelo on the right wing because Erickson Gallardo didn't have the best game on Saturday, as Jeff has already said. Who? I think maybe maybe try again? him. <laughs> if, if it hasn't <laughs> gone through yet, Jeff does not like Erickson Gallardo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think maybe trying Pozuelo in sort of a right wing slash free role maybe. Could work out, and uh, I think give Achara another shot on the left side. Let's see somebody can do again. How long are we gonna are we gonna keep putting pause on the wing when he's like said he's basically <laughs> preached from the mountaintops that he doesn't want to play there? I mean, he is yeah. a DP and and maybe the the top draw on the team right now, and he's 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 been pretty vocal about not wanting to play on the wings, and yet we keep putting him out there, and we have like so much depth at the wing it doesn't make any sense like can we all just agree for a moment that putting pause on the wings doesn't make sense but we've got a stacked midfield too so it's it's like a choose your own choose your choose your pain basically yeah to play devil's advocate to that i i honestly think that you know i don't think benedict's wrong in the sense that you could roll out all four of those guys but if you're putting someone out wide i'd put jonathan osorio out wide um a player who you know greg benny did mention initially that he thinks Jonathan Osorio might be best as a winger. Obviously, I think that's been disproven um, a little bit. But, you know, I, I think Osorio can still do a job wide for, for Toronto FC here. And, you know, if, if if you're picking between those two players, I think Pozuelo is the one who you want most comfortable in playing at his best. Benedict, you look like you have a point on this as well. Yeah, so, so going on that, I was going to say as well, Osorio could also be the one that plays out wide. But also um, sort of play off what Jeff just said, I think... Toronto FC's depth is much stronger in the midfield than it is on the wings. Like as you've been saying, like in Toronto FC quality, yeah. yeah, but I mean, they have, when they have when they're all healthy, they have four or five central midfielders that could start on any given day. And I think um, I think that outweighs on the wings where there's maybe one or two who you think could outweigh the rest in terms of quality. But I think if you're gonna try that sort of idea with Osorio or Pizuela on the wing. This game is probably the game to try it against sort of against the Nashville team who's still struggling to find some rhythm. I know consistency is important in all aspects of the game, but would you say consistency in terms of your attack from game to game is more important than consistency in your midfield? 
because you are rotating the squad anyway you slice it we've got too much depth right what would you rather have clicking constantly your midfield or the or the combination play from your wingers to your forwards that's that's a tough one um I, I think the midfield for Toronto FC. I think Toronto FC is always going to score goals. I think they've proven that the past few years, even when they were struggling to, you know, to, to win games, it was mostly because they were struggling defensively. I don't know. I just get too scared that you go back to the 2018 if you lose some consistency in the midfield there. And, um, you know, I think they've finally found a reasonable balance here where they're getting enough defensive work out of their midfield while still providing offensive options that I think if, if you're toying with anything and you finally have that constant and Josie Elsador up top for the moment, I'm knocking on all the wood right now. Um, <laughs> Me too. It's Benedict. That soundboard, and I want to hear some knocking. <laughs> um, for the moment, but yeah, I, th- I think uh, if anything, you, you try and keep the midfield as consistent as possible. That's uh, of the two, at least. Well, that's bad news for Frazier then. Yeah. Probably yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> um, I, I wonder almost if we see Frazier at this point. And, and I I thought at the start of the year this would be out of the question, but I wonder almost if we see him go to the Olympic qualifiers now and maybe get an opportunity there to to show what he can do. Because at the start of the year I thought it was he'd be too important for Toronto FC and they wouldn't want to send him. But now I think you know, especially if you're only going to miss one game, I think you'd almost be silly not to send him and to, to give him an opportunity to show what he can do there. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll put a pin in that for now because I feel like that's going to be a conversation topic all year in terms of <laughs> who Toronto FC could play. And, of course, we haven't even gotten to the point where Piatti and Michael Bradley are in the conversation as well. So this is only going to get... <laughs> Uh, this is only going to be a more difficult debate as we go forward, so um, we'll probably revisit that. But I did want to start about, or uh, you know, talk about the start of the MLS season in general, and uh, this is this is where we can start to overreact. We've we've only seen teams play you know two games so far, so we don't really have a, a solid sample size of them. But I think we can give our first impressions. Um, first off, starting with with a team that um, ha- has made a good first impression. I'll, I'll start with you, Benedict. Who who have you liked so far this season? Yeah, I've gone with the Montreal Impact. Hmm. I think uh, Rudy has had, I think, three goals in two games, and he's looking pretty dangerous up top. And um, also Joel Waterman has been getting some good minutes as well. That's good to see. And if not for sort of a late collapse against Dallas, they'd be 2-0 right now. But they, I think they can see in the 83rd and 96th minutes or something. Yeah, so that's if, old if school they, TFC for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think if they sort of were able to keep that together I think they'd be 2-0 and and, and we'd be talking about them as possibly returning to the playoffs again this year obviously it's only two games in though yeah. okay so uh, in the east mm-hmm. I've got the new New York Red Bulls which is the Philadelphia Union uh, <laughs> they're younger uh, so they're fit enough to do that insane high press for 90 minutes and uh, I'm, I've been really enjoying uh, what, uh, what the unions brought and in the west Holy crap, Minnesota United! Holy crap, that was a that was a showing last weekend. I mean, they are they are they're in the supporter shield uh, conversation two games in. Uh, pundits are are doing backflips over these guys. Ikopara for MVP. Yeah, Ikopara for for MVP. They'll never give it to a defender, but if they ever were, I think he'd be my first shout for one. <laughs> so yeah, in the supporter those... shield conversation, two games in. That's a... <laughs> Striker, That's striker Michael ba- Bradley, Golden Boot leader, was one game into the season last year. So, uh, 
So we're good. That's yeah, true. those are my shouts. Yeah, I think good point. I think Philadelphia really showed their stuff in that game against LAFC, which was, you know, one of the better MLS games I've seen, certainly in the first month of a season, maybe ever. Um, you know, that incredible free kick. and um, That was a bullet. Oh, yeah. my God. That I mean, was crazy. Two incredible free kicks and then a bunch of other nice goals. That, you know, the league certainly showed that uh, it's taken a step forward again this year, I think, in terms of uh, overall quality. And and to Benedict's point, we'll talk about them a bit later. I, I, I like the Montreal Impact pick because, you know, going into this year, I think we all thought they would be absolute, you know, an absolute tire fire and absolutely garbage. Um, but they seem to have very quickly found an identity, even if it's not a fun identity to watch, at least it's uh, at least it's something they can build on. And, and that's, you know, that's above and beyond I think anything any of us expected them to do at this point early on in the season um now let's let's talk about just quickly some teams that we might be worried about so far this year or I guess worries maybe the wrong word but um some teams that haven't impressed and uh why is it the LA Galaxy Jeff (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah I mean Look, how many crosses can you lump just aimlessly into the box when there's no Zlatan there is the, is the question of the <laughs> and day. And they all have like, uh, Zlatan PTSD at this point. <laughs> I, think, I think they do, and I also think you're seeing the seams in, uh, in, uh, Bar- in Shaloto's uh, uh, coaching style. I mean, he's always relied on a stack team and moments mm-hmm. of individual brilliance. Uh, he's not really a systems guy, and you're seeing that now. So there's this weird collusion of this post- Zlatan PTSD, where they don't know how to do anything but but just aimlessly cross balls in and hope that the most physically imposing center forward to ever play the game will you know karate kick it <laughs> into into the next universe. Um, but it's also it's it's um, you know they they're really missing uh, Dos Santos. I mean that has to be said. Uh, I know Ben is a huge Alexander Katai stand, so maybe he can explain why why uh, he's been a little bit underwhelming over there. Um, but, you know, Chicha left, uh, you know, Chicharito's not Zlatan. Uh, mm. he's, he's a terrific, terrific, terrific player, but he needs service, and he's not getting it. Uh, and it's going to, you know, who knows what happens because patience is not a virtue of this league and certainly this league's high high uh, visibility marketable stars. Uh, and, you know, the the... the the timer, the you know, the 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 hourglass is already almost empty on on will the Chicharito signing be a boom or a bust, which is unfair, but them them's the breaks. So uh, yeah, they're they're in a tough spot. Ben, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use Jeff's uh, method and I'm gonna take two teams. <laughs> uh, the first one, um, Atlanta United, no Joseph Martinez, not really any other strikers on the roster they won at two the moment. Games, though. Yeah, yeah how, that's how the thing. They won two games. Adam Jans like that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they won two games, but I think it's it's gonna get difficult when they start playing some of the better teams, and um, especially if they don't aren't able to sign a Joseph Martinez caliber replacement, which they won't be able to do. Um, and I think uh, maybe another overreaction, but that's what we do two games into the season, mm-hmm. uh, is New York City FC because they haven't scored a goal yet. I haven't picked up a point yet, and they're sitting in the very bottom of the East. And again, obviously, it's only two games in, and I think they'll be all right. Probably make the playoffs by the end of the season, but I think it'd, it'd be good for them to get going on Saturday against Dallas. But they, to counter that point again, um, they have Tigres coming up 
on Wednesday, which mm-hmm. could affect them ahead of that Dallas game on Saturday. Absolutely. Yeah, which uh, I think transitions us well into the Champions League. But, yeah, I did want to mention uh, Chicharito just before we started because I did watch him against Vancouver. That was the first time I've seen him in MLS. And, again, this incredibly small sample size. And when he scores 35 goals this year, I think we're all going to look silly. But (laughs) the lack of confidence was unbelievable. He went one-on-one with Andy Rose. Um, and, and tried to like step over him and Andy Rose dispossessed him like he was a nobody it was one of the most shocking things I've ever seen like you finally get him in one on one you expect him to easily beat this you know um, pretty average MLS defender and he just easily gets dispossessed so it's been pretty surprising um, what we've seen Petulance from Chicharito so far too. I mean they, they were they were trying not to focus on him after missed chances or those aimless crosses because mm-hmm. his body language was terrible just yeah. terrible. Yeah, and again, that doesn't help when you've already had one sulking star through the door. <laughs> you, you know, you, you're already uh, a bit scarred from that. So um, the Galaxy, regardless of how it goes from here, will be one of the most interesting teams to watch this season. I still think, still think they have all the quality to to turn it around, but that remains to be seen. Um, let's, one, let's... one thing to interject, though, because nobody mentioned Cincinnati, and I, mm-hmm. I, I actually am buying stock in Cincinnati this year. I really like Locadia. I think he's a really good pickup for them, and he adds so much to the attack, and he's hungry, and he's mean, and I think he's going to paper over a lot of problems that they had last year. I don't necessarily think they're MLS Cup champions, but you know, the only way to go is up from where they, when they ended last year, and I, and I do think they've taken steps to, uh, to improve their roster, and I do think they have as much of an identity you could possibly have running through coaches every 15 seconds. So we had an 0-2 pick for good first impression and a 2-0 pick for um, bad first impression. Um, so that's, that's just par for the course for us. But um, let's, let's move on to uh, talking a little bit about tonight's game and the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, you know, we, we mentioned that the Montreal Impact have had a, you know, much better start to the season than I think any of us expected getting results in both MLS and, of course, getting through in the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, do we think they can go on? I think the draw has been pretty kind to them, getting Olympia for the next round. Uh, Jeff, what do you what do you make of their chances uh, for the remainder of this this competition? It's Concacaf, so I I've learned <laughs> not to guess. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that be, that being said, this is our trophy, and if another MLS team wins it before we do, I'm quiet. <laughs> I will not be happy. Uh, but yeah, no, they they've had a, a very favorable. Uh, uh, pathway, uh, but I Olympia is no snout, uh, slouch, and uh, you know this is uh, it's going to be an interesting test of their metal. I'm quite impressed by how pragmatic Terry Henry's been as a manager, mm-hmm. uh, considering uh, his woeful, woeful uh, past experiences at, at Monaco. He's uh, he's he's you know I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. So you know I I think that there's a lot of tricks. Uh, that Montreal uh, has up their sleeve that could maybe unnerve Olympia. But it is CONCACAF, it is zany, it is crazy. And uh, we won't know until the final whistle blows, really. Ben? Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's CONCACAF. Anything can happen, as you saw last year with uh, TFC and Independiente. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah okay. I, I think... I, th- <laughs> I, think, I think they'll go through this round, but we'll have to see what happens after that. 
This is actually a, a pretty great round. Uh, you know, looking at looking at the games in general and and all the MLS versus League MX matchups. There's there's a lot of really good ones. This is going to be a lot of fun over the next little bit. Unless, of course, you're like Jeff and you're incredibly worried about an MLS side <laughs> taking <laughs> taking the crown um, before Toronto FC can can get back to this competition. But uh, uh, you know, of the of the matchups, which one will will you be uh, tuning into most, Jeff? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me first, and I'm bringing up the schedule on my phone. So I'm just going to say all of them because I'm going to watch all of them anyway. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, seeing what L.A. did to uh, uh, Leon was uh, uh, pretty fantastic. So I, I, I'd like to see uh, LAFC go toe-to-toe with some of these Mexican sides and what, what that's going to do. Ben? Yeah, I agree with, with the LAFC. I'd like to see Carlos Vela make a tour around Mexico just playing League MX teams. <laughs> That'd be pretty, pretty entertaining. But I've, I've also gone with, with Montreal and Olympia again because I think obviously there's the Canadian factor. Seeing a Canadian team in Champions League is always fun to watch. And also Olympia uh, played Forge FC last year, so it'll be interesting to see how different they play from that series. And um, yeah, like any, anything with Canadian teams in in continental competitions gotta be must watch stuff I think NYCFC is gonna get skinned by Tigres I also don't I also don't think that Atlanta United is gonna advance past Club America Uh, (laughs) but I I, so I think that Montreal's probably got the best chance of moving forward Uh, just checking to see who's playing on Thursday Oh yeah, that's the Cruz Azul LAFC. No, I, I think I think you'll probably see Montreal and LAFC go forward, and uh, NYCFC and Atlanta kind of bow out at this round. But uh, who knows? It's Concacaf. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. <laughs> Certainly is Concacaf, and uh, incredibly unpredictable. I think if anything, we were robbed of seeing Tigris NYCFC at the very small Yankee Stadium. That would have been <laughs> that would have been a lot of fun. I'm not sure in which direction, but uh, all I know is there would have been a ton of goals and, and chaos in that game. So, um, unfortunately, tomorrow's game's at Red Bull Arena. Um, so, so we won't get to experience the the small field, but uh, should be a great series nonetheless. And and, and certainly, um, you know, as always, Concacaf is is the most wonderful time of the year. So it really is. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. So I've never heard of this Yankee Stadium. I'm not sure who plays there. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the name, Ben. It's in the name. <laughs> they I, they actually sold out Red Bull Arena for the supporters tickets. Uh, I read on Twitter today because there was a bit of a boycott the last round. And mm-hmm. which I didn't understand. I mean, if, if TFC was ever in a position where we had to play a home game at Stad Saputo, there is no <laughs> amount of money that would take me that would uh, stop me from being there. So uh, I, I, I can't get behind that that imposed boycott. I think it would be hilarious to play a home game in your rival stadium. Yeah, it would be. A... Sorry, go ahead, Ben. That's ultras for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, thank you so much guys for for joining me on this week's show um you know certainly a a lot going forward in terms of the concaf champions league and and we'll have a bit of a better impression on on some of these teams as we as we get past the two game mark but uh you know it is always fun to um to to take a a little sample of what we've seen so far and and go from there um yeah but thank you so much for joining me and uh as always uh follow us on twitter at footy talks live and we'll talk to you next week